Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what they, their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are hungry now, or who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and leap, weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Does anybody else want to preach this morning? We're going to build on a couple of themes that we've talked about in the past, particularly how Lutherans view the Christian faith, how we view um, how God works in the world, uh, and use some uh, terminology that is distinctly Lutheran. Law and gospel that we've talked about before, and then yet, uh, last week uh, I briefly talked about theology of the cross and theology of glory, and how we use these terms, how we define these terms, what they mean, on how they help us understand who God is and who we are in relation to God, how God works, and how that affects the way we function in the world. Law gospel. We've talked about the law being what drives us to Christ, it what reveals us for who we really are. It's a mirror, right, that reflects back reality. It exposes the lies that we tell ourselves, or it can be a hammer that demolishes those lies, right? Law, gospel. Gospel is what says, despite the way we've lied, despite what's reflected back, what, despite 
the reality God loves us. Now, we can break down law a little bit more. A first use of the law and the second use of the law. First use of the law, kind of like civil law, right? It's the rules we've all agreed on as a society to keep things functioning as well as possible, right? It's not so much in the religious aspects, but the societal laws. When you come to a red light, what are you supposed to do? You're not very confident in that answer. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. When you come to a red light, what are you supposed to do? Stop. When you come to a yellow light, what are you supposed to do? Slow down. Go, who said go faster? <laughs> I tell you what, I have noticed that, I don't know if anybody else, but I have noticed that more and more. People, man, yellow, let's, we got to move it. That's the civil use of the law, right? The first use of the law. The second use of the law is what we commonly talk to. It's what drives us to Christ, reveals us for who we are. We are not perfect. The gospel is what frees us, that says you are not bound by those things. Your past does not dictate your future. What God has done when Christ on the cross frees you to live a full, true, and authentic life. The question then becomes, what does that life look like? Does anybody ever wonder that sometimes? I know I'm free, and free in what way? Free for what? There is one school of thought. I don't know. I, I understand it, but I don't like it. I don't know if I fully agree with it. And this isn't a, I should ask Mark. I don't think this is a Martin Luther idea, the third use of the law or the second use of the gospel. Calvin, thank you. Right? But it has made its way, and we're talking about John Calvin, just so everybody knows we're all on the same page, but it doesn't matter. Second use of the law, or third use of the law, second use of the gospel, essentially says, now that you're freed, here's what you have to do. <laughs> Does that make sense? Which then sounds an awful lot like what? That second use of the law. We're going to fail at it. It then becomes, oh my gosh, we're weighed down and we're simply going to fail at it again. Right? The second use of the gospel or the third use of the law. Now, that doesn't mean anything goes. There are still hopes and dreams for it, but I think we get confused by looking at this new life in Christ that we've been given and breaking it down into laws again. Here's what you can and cannot do. And I think we do that very frequently when we get to passages like this. Okay, here's what we can and cannot do. And as opposed to looking at it as a third use of the law, what you have to do, or a second use of the gospel, what you have to do, which really isn't gospel then, right? How do we read these passages about the way Christ casts a new vision for the future? It's not what you have to do, but it's what we live into. And maybe that's a subtle difference, but it's not saying do, 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 or don't, don't, don't. Rather, it's what does this new world that God is creating look like and how do we live into it? So 
to enables us to make those decisions about what we should and shouldn't do. That we get to live into this freedom and kind of determine what it looks like. And it's been going on since, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of people are trying to figure out what the relationship is to God, what the relationship is to others. We want to, can I just break it down and make, right, five bullets of what I can do, five bullets of what I can't do, and that just is easy. But I don't think that's the way God works. God casts a vision, and then we figure out what that looks like. Now, unfortunately, when we break it down into what you do or don't do, then we go into those who do the right things, you've done well. Life has treated you well. You've treated life well. You've succeeded, right? We use that word blessed a lot, and I've talked about this before. I really have a hard time saying I am blessed when things go well. Because when I use that word, I am blessed when things go well, what is, it, what is it easy to make the assumption that I am saying? I'm not blessed when things don't go well. As if when things go well in my life, God is up there figuring that out, manipulating things, looking at me, judging me. Okay, you made the right choice. Here you go. Things don't go well. God's up there minute. Well, you should have made a different choice, so I'm going to punish you. As this, it's a master, puppet master, whatever, going on up there. And that seeps into things when we want to make it into the list of do's and don'ts. And that kind of gets more at the idea of what I talked about briefly last week. Theology of, of the cross versus theology of, the theology of glory. That as you make the right decisions, God blesses you and things go well. And then when things don't go well, we throw up our hands and say, where is God? Anybody ever asked that question before when you're in the midst of just the junk of life? God's absent. Where is God? God. Jesus comes in this passage and directly confronts that notion that God is absent where we think God is absent. If we read this passage again and we use blessed as not as God has found favor with me because I made the right decisions, but instead God is close to me. Blessed means God is close to me. Let me read it again. And I'm going to use that phrase. God is close to those. And how does it affect the way you hear it? If you want to read along with me, you can. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, God is close to those who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. God is close to those who are hungry now. For you will be filled. God is close to those who weep now, for you will laugh. God is close when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on the count of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. 
And if you remember when we talked about the prophets, the prophets were not popular people, not simply because they mentioned God's name, but what they said God represented or God was for. They didn't want to hear that. Remember when we talked about Amos a few weeks ago. Amos was a prophet in the Old Testament that railed on the people for earning their living, earning their money on the backs of others. That you have come about, about your wealth in unjust ways. You went from being slaves in Egypt. You went from being the oppressed and now you're doing the oppressing. And then for those of you who have wealth, Amos again continued on and said, you spend your wealth on frivolous things and do it at the expense of those who need it. You ignore the least of you. And you live in this world where some are doing so incredibly well, but the vast majority are simply struggling to get by. And here Christ says, blessed God is close to you. And you call out those things. God is close to those who are speaking truth to power. And as we continue on now, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when you all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets, right? I like what this person has to say. They got it together. A lot of times I don't want to stand up here or I struggle standing up here because I like to be liked. I want you to walk out and say, man, that was a great sermon, Pastor Tim. You really made me feel good. But if that is all I am doing, I'm not doing a very good job, am I? We need people to speak and to be prophetic voices. I've said, we don't need more preachers. We need more prophets. So can we get out of this framework of do this, don't do that, and instead hear a new vision for what the world is like, the world that God will ultimately create and ask us to be part of creating at the same time. Does that make sense? How do we live into that here, now, today, a world that is more just, a world that is more fair, a world that is more equal, a world in which people aren't just trying to survive the day, but everybody feels like they wake up and they have a life to actually live and thrive in. That is the vision God is casting. That is the vision we are to get caught up in. That is the vision that I think God and or Jesus says here at the end. But I say to you that listen. I say to you that listen. Not all of us will listen. I am ignorant to it so many times. Much more than I should be. Because I like the life I have. I don't want to be disruptive to you. But I say to you that listen. And here at the end, Jesus casts this new vision for the world, for all of us. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, 
offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is directed at those of us who have a choice, who have the power to make decisions, to live into this life, into this world that God is creating, that we are asked to be part of it as well now. I found this quote. It comes from Richard Jensen. He's a Lutheran theologian, died in 2014. He was at Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago. Maybe I have the wrong bulletin here. This is what Richard Jensen says in his book, Preaching the Gospel of Luke. I call you to live out your lives with an alternate vision of reality. I call you to live lives that reverse the values of this culture. I call you to love your enemy, to turn the other cheek, give your possessions to those in need, and not judge the lives of others. Be merciful, even as I am merciful. I have come to nourish your entire life with mercy. I have come to empower you with mercy that you may indeed live a new kind of life in this world. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.